here's the most important issue. I'm sure somebody listening to uh, me talk with Dr. Stacey Tyler about airport security, airport etiquette, is that but the low-cost carriers are just as safe as the legacy carrier. Okay. That's what we need to know. <laughs> That's the question. Okay. Well. Well. Okay. Okay. As a general manager for all of my years, let me just. You're making me nervous, by the way. Okay. And welcome to another edition of the Strongcast with your host Armstrong Williams. I bet many of you uh, have never heard of Dr. Stacy Tyler. Believe it or not, she's an internal threat airport security expert. And listen, this show is very dear to me because I fly all over the world, all the time I fly. Private, commercial, I fly. And she has a new book out. And more importantly, her story, her 22 years of service and dedication to this industry. She used to be a ticket agent. Right. She was once a ticket agent. <laughs> she knows airport, airport security, and no matter how good we have, we think we have our airport security, people are still able to get contrabands and other things that we would be shocked by through the security. So what we wanted to do is have Dr. Tyler on to give us a course in airport security, what we need to do as private citizens, what the airports need to do, what happens when they don't communicate because she lost an employee that was killed. We want to get into all that. Let us welcome her to the show, and thank you for joining us to discuss this important issue about airport security. Where does it all start? Wow. Airport security all started January 5th, 1973. That's when airport security officially started. Um, with my 22 years of experience, when I entered into the aviation industry, airport security consisted of apps, the computer system called apps, a fly list and uh, passenger one-way or round-trip ticket, way that your ticket is paid for, or you are traveling to one of those highly examined countries, Libya, Sudan, Iran, Iraq, there's seven of them. And if you were considered as a threat to the aviation system, then you will be prompted as a person that needs additional screening. And what that means, once the system prompts or deems you as a so-called threat to the aviation system, you will need additional screening and S's will appear on your boarding passes. So once you will um, enter into the security checkpoint, you will be put to the side to have your things be examined further pat-downs to make sure that you are, you know, okay to travel. You know, I'm going to skip around. Uh, you said 1973. What happened after 9-11? What happened after 9-11? Um, and could 9-11 have been prevented? Oh, yes, most certainly. Uh, uh, talk well, about it. Most certainly. Um, well, first of all, the airport security was handled by the FAA, the Federal Aviation the FAA had the responsibility of airport security, meaning that there were airport security firms, private security firms, that they were contracted in order for, for security to be performed to check the passengers, to screen the passengers and the check baggage, their carry-ons also at the security checkpoint. So um, those private security firms um, 
they were brought into the fold at a minimum cost. Save One, money. Save and money. And that compromises elsewhere. Save money. The training, uh, minimum training. And, um, you know, that was our private security firm who was in charge of airport security screening. The training, like I said, um, rested on the FAA to train the private security firm. What does it mean to train? What it means to train is to make sure that the airline employees are in compliance, regulatory compliant, in order for them to know the policies, exactly what is needed in order for the employees, the screeners, to ensure that we are actually following all protocols and procedures and policies to make sure that whenever your, your carry-on bags pass through at the security checkpoint or your check baggage pass through the EDS machines, that we, are, we know that we examined your bag by the training that we received. So are you telling me that if they were to do this 100% of the time, there would be no security breaches? If they follow in policy 100%, are you saying to us, Dr. Taylor, there would be no security breach? I'm not saying that. <laughs> what I'm saying is that it will be reduced it would be min okay. minimized. Okay. It would be minimized, risk. So, because security, there is always a risk in security. So let me ask you, uh -huh. what are the things that they cannot be trained for? That it takes the human instinct in the moment of going through the screening right. process well, that a person must possess? Well, I'm going to tell you, being a human being working in the airline industry, what you can't train is when, if you were my boss and I had something against you and you told me to go to another area. I already have an attitude. I'm already feeling, you know, um, rebellious. Exactly. Right. So, so if I'm feeling that because we all go through your paychecks wrong, you know, something's wrong with the family. Um, there's dissension within your group, your leadership. You can't train that. So, so here as a human being, and if I'm on the machine, the EDS machine or the X-ray machines, I'm just, you know, maybe I'm just going to just do my job. Nothing beyond that. Just do my job. Right. That's it. That's it. You can't train that. Mm -hmm. You cannot train that. And how does that play out in security breaches and where lives are in danger? Okay. For instance, um, how does it play out? When it comes time for the, the passengers to pass through the security checkpoints, we have the whole body imaging um, system right now, the puffers, um, because of the December 25th um, terrorist attack on Northwest Airlines 253. How does that play out is because the, those machines, the whole body imaging machines came from that terrorist attack. That came from that terrorist attack. Those machines were really supposed to be utilized in Lagos, okay? And, and those machines were not um, operable here and there. They were not effective at 100%. They were not configured for here. No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But because of that incident, they were expedited. We, we had to implement mm -hmm. the whole body imaging. Um, in the ATI advanced But there were weaknesses and things that needed to be tweaked. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, so let me let me um, let me raise this for you. Mm -hmm. 
become a passenger for us. And we're going through security. Yes. I go to one airport, I don't have to take off my shoes. <laughs> I go to another airport, I don't have to take off my belt. Are you a pre-check? I'm going to get to you. I'm going to get to you. But it doesn't matter sometimes. Um, there are certain things that will go off through some magnetometers that won't go off through other magnetometers. Why the inconsistency? Right, exactly. Well, that's why I asked you, are you pre-checked? Not only am I pre-checked, I have global interest and I have clear. Right. I have all of them. Right. And so, <laughs> so as only a passenger. Because, but let me, as, let me as stop. A, I only have TSA, global entry, and clear. Right. Is because you want from, to from experience. No, from experience. Okay. How can I not go through this again? And so I'm willing to pay the money. I'm willing to go and sit right. with whomever I need to sit right. with to get qualified, mm -hmm. to get whatever is pre-checked, mm -hmm. to get clear. And, to, and oh, global entry is a blessing. Yes, it but is. But I, I, I don't mind being fingerprinted. I had mm -hmm. a problem before, but once I got concealed and carry mm -hmm. for Washington, D.C., I right. didn't mind being fingerprinted. Mm -hmm. We have our own insecurities about sharing too much information right. with authorities. So walk us through as a passenger. Okay. Does so those, a pass those, do those things help pre-check, global entry, and clear? Well, I know that as a passenger, as a passenger, and being a commuter for my own self, I was a commuter because uh, I worked all over the country as a general manager developing stations from the ground floor. So I was as a passenger. So sometime I will receive the pre-check on my boarding pass where I'm able to go through the lines without even having to pay anything and not having my shoes or my belt or anything to be removed. or. I'm just a passenger, well, I'm going to say for me, I'm an employee, but I have a specific line, okay, because employees have specific lines that we have to go through, but I'm still in that same, you know, group to pass through security checkpoints. So as the passenger, I know for myself, I'm traveling from Philadelphia to Gunnison, Colorado as a GM, and I had a, a bottle of water in my bag, a bottle of water, forgot totally all about it. I put my, my bag, my carry-on bag on a conveyor belt, it passed through. The guy was, you know, too, too busy. I don't know what he was doing, but I, the guy was not engaged in his job. That's what I'm gonna say. The bag passed through. I retrieved my bag, noticed that it didn't alarm, it didn't say nothing. I looked at this bottle of water. I called the manager to say, my name is Dr. Stacy Tyler. I have a PhD in Homeland Security. And this bottle of water just passed through security checkpoint. Period. It happened quite frequently. Why is a bottle of water a threat? Because what happened is that in August of 2009, excuse me, August August 9, 2006, there was a Great Britain terrorist attack that happened um, with the uh, um, U.S. carriers, commercial carriers, and the terrorist plot was in the form of liquid. So what happened is that the Great Britain actually seized the terrorist plot. So that meant that as the United States, because the attack was on the United States, because the, 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 the uh, liquid was explosive. In Philadelphia, when I was an operations manager for U.S. Airways, the security checkpoint deemed all liquids. We cannot bring them past security checkpoint because of that Great Britain terrorist attack. That created the policy 311, 
that's when the passengers are allowed to bring 3.4 ounces, one container, clear container, one person. That's how the 311 policy. So that's whenever you guys are traveling, you have to put all your gels and liquids in a clear plastic container so that it could be visibly seen as it passed through the um, x-ray machine. Why, why with shaving cream and lotion and cologne and perfume, there's a certain ounce limit? Because if it's anything greater than 3.4 ounces, it could have a greater impact if it's, if it's, if it's they don't have It could be inflammable? It could be, it's explosive. Really? Yes. So, so, so walk us through this. How were the terrorists of 9-11 so assured that they could get through with box cutters, yes. they could breach our security, mm -hmm. they could get on the airport, we knew they didn't have guns, no. uh, because they, they were not alive. Right. How were they able, how so, can you plot, how were they so successful? Okay. And were there not <laughs> any red flags along the way? Well, good question. The FAA pre-9-11 from April of, April of 2001 to uh, September 9th, 2001, there were 52 warnings from, the, from uh, to the intelligence department. Um, to say that this kind of attack is, you know, is going it's to inevitable. Is, exactly, and it was not taken. But you have a, to, but Dr. Tyler, you have to mm -hmm. take in mind they probably get hundreds of thousands and thousands of them. Yes. How do you know which to take serious? Well, there was fifty-two of them. That's all I'm going to say. There's fifty-two, and it happened. Were they similar to exactly what happened? I can't say exactly what the the warning signs because that's intelligence. That information is not privy. But what, what is, is that there was the number 52 warning, okay? So, so with that being said, when it comes time for the, um, the warnings, there, there were, there were. Listen, mm -hmm. you know, I have so much respect because I can tell you are really studied and you are really a connoisseur on this issue. There's something else happening the airlines, um, temper tantrum, people having sex in the bathroom oh, yeah. on the airline. Um, people trying to knock down the pilot's door, uh, fights, right. I mean, racism, calling them names. I mean, some of the most obnoxious behavior that you could ever imagine. Somebody refusing to take their seat and you're almost about to land and they were going to turn the airplane around and come back to a place where they're going to land and call authorities. Can you imagine as a passenger on a plane, one person is going to cause you to turn the plane around to delay right. your flight and all the flights that you would probably miss and all the things that you would plan? What is going on with the airline industry? Good question. Um, what is going on with the airline industry? The airline industry, how it was once known. Um, my mother retired from the airline industry. I was pre 9-11. I have 22 years, worked as a legacy carrier, worked for practically all of them. And, and I teach at Emory-Riddle Aeronautical University, um, airline management courses and so forth. But when I think, it comes I, time... I, I, I think you comes, said it earlier though. This is the kind of human element that you have no control of. Absolutely, yeah. and it's not the same. Air travel is not the same how it used to be. It used to be when my mother was working and I'm traveling, you know, we will have to be, you know, dressed to the nine, you know, to come. You, you know, there was a, that professionalism. A respect. A respect for the service. Right. But now that you have um, the high security uh, taxes on your tickets, um, you know, the business travelers are no longer uh, staying with the, the the legacy carriers because of their frequent flyer programs. They are looking, because 
you're paying the PFC charges, you're paying the security taxes, and that increases per, you travel all the time. So it increases. So now you have the low cost carriers coming about. Mm. And with low cost, the These service is reduced. Come on. The expectations are reduced. It's low cost. Yeah, much more is allowed. Mm -hmm. And you're mm -hmm. getting a whole different element. You're getting a low cost service. Right. All you're paying for is a seat whenever you. And you don't get that seat until the day of. Right. Which is interesting. Right. With, with, um, with a lot of these characters. Which is, I don't want to put anybody out there. You but don't have to people know who watch the show. Yes. But, it, but it's true. But I never looked at it. But you know what? You just hit on something. Tell us exactly what we're paying for. And that, and that, with that ticket. Okay. So if you are traveling, um, the legacy carriers, Delta, American, United, um, you are getting uh, a seat, definitely, leg room. You have your amenities. Um, but you definitely have to purchase anything such as food. Um, you may have a drink, a bag of peanuts, legacy carriers. Um, but now the low-cost carriers are coming along. And you may, They've got to make up for that cost. They have to make up for the cost, and mm -hmm. that's what you're getting. It's a seat. So if you want to bring your carry-on bag on, huh. your check bag, if you want to bring, have something to drink, if you want to even print out your boarding pass, you're paying. You're paying, so it all adds up. To the it, same fare. As a legacy carrier. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yes. And, 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 and so what is the best way as a passenger to travel, is it well in advance, to get the best investment for your return? Okay. So if cost is not a factor to you, if cost isn't a factor. Let's deal, let's deal with when it is a factor because okay. for the majority of people, cost is a okay, factor. So, so let's start there okay, first. Okay, so if cost is a factor yes. and if all you want is to get to your final destination, period, then I don't, I don't have anything against the low-cost carriers. Um, the Spirits, the um, JetBlue, um, that's Southwest. a hybrid. Southwest. Southwest. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but just know that if your flight is delayed, canceled, um, just know that there is repercussions. Yeah, you could be sitting in the same place for 24 hours. They, oh, for I, days. I know. Exactly. Oh, for days. For yes. days. Mm -hmm. Look, I don't mm -hmm. do, I don't do the low-cost carriers, but I understand why people do. But here's the most important issue. Mm -hmm. I'm sure somebody listening to uh, me talk with Dr. Stacey Tyler about airport security, airport etiquette, is that but the low-cost carriers are just as safe as the legacy carriers. Okay. That's what we need to know. <laughs> That's the question. Okay. Well. Well. Okay. Okay. As a general manager for all of my years, let me just. You're making me nervous, by the way. Okay. I'm trying not to. Yes. All of my experience, the 22 years, have been with legacy. Of course. Okay. So my research was conducted on the legacy carrier, um, major carrier, major airport on the East Coast because of 9-11. My latter years was with the contractor. Okay. Because you got to understand that there's only three legacy carriers now. American. Delta and United. That's it. Everybody else are contractors. Interesting. And, 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 and differentiate, differentiate the difference for us between okay. legacy carriers and contractors. Okay. The legacy carriers are the, the, big, the big boys. You know what I mean? American, Delta, United, 
T-Dub, Pan Am, United, uh, Northwest Airlines, um, Continental. Those are legacy carriers, but because of 9-11, the bankruptcies, the mergers. And the deregulations. And the deregulations, yeah. absolutely. You know, they, we merge in order for... U.S. Air, well, Piedmont, U.S. Air, U.S. Yes. Air, American. Right. Yes, you yes. get it, you get it. T-Dub, American. T United, yeah, yes. 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 Continental, United, yeah. yes. Right. So those are legacy carriers. Contractors are companies. Companies, contractor companies that are contracting the work, you know, obtaining the work from... Middleman. Absolutely. Doing the same job. Seamless. You would never know. You would never know that I'm working as a for a contractor, but I have the airline right behind me. But the guidelines <laughs> and the regulations are different. Okay. Um, as a general manager for the contractor companies, I had two of the low-cost carriers. One was hybrid. One was definitely ultra-low-cost carrier. Okay. And um, the training that they that my employee group received was not as um, intense as the legacy carriers. Right. One, two, recurrent training. The legacy carriers, their training uh, requirements are you know compliant because when um, you are a airline, you have federal regulations that you have to abide by. You have audits uh, being performed, the FAA audits, the companies auditing you. You know what I mean? You have to be on your P's and Q's to, um, to ensure that you're operating with compliance. Okay. Now, as the general manager for the um, low-cost carriers, I can say that it's different. Well, you don't have to say it because we can read between. Okay. The so here's the question, and it's just a fascinating conversation. Here's the question. Tell us where we're vulnerable in terms of future terrorist attack, uh, airport security breaches. The internal threat. Inside? Mm-hmm. Disgruntled employees? Yes. Now, let's, now, it's, not the, it's not the fact that it's disgruntled employees. What it is is that the airline employees, the airline and airport and TSA employees, it is, we are deemed as the internal threat to the aviation system right now. Let me stop you. You had an employee. You got Murder. Murder. Mm -hmm. Talk about what happened, because it's actually shocking. Okay. My employee's name was uh, Aaron Jenkins, and I hired him as a, air, uh, an, a ramp employee for JetBlue Airlines. Taking the luggage up the ramp. We understand mm -hmm. that. Okay. For JetBlue Airlines. I can Airlines. see them right now, because you would look out the window <laughs> when you're on the tarmac, you can see them putting the luggage on the ramp. Okay. Right. right. And so, as a contractor, employees are allowed to have multiple jobs. So but as a legacy, they're not. not. They're not. That is significant. <laughs> really? Honestly. So they're distracted. That's not their only focus. Go ahead. So with, with the, um, so he was employed with Frontier Airlines and with JetBlue when I hired him. Um, so you just set, you just set a mouthful right there because at the time of his death, um, Aaron um, was working two different carriers, okay? And um, and they're not the same. They're not the same. The expectations are not the same. They're not the same. And that's important to distinguish. They're, they're not the same. Mm -hmm. So Aaron, um, so that's how I came to know Aaron. Because he's my employee. 
And um, at the time of his death was May 3rd of this year. This year? This year. Okay. This year. So tell us what happened. Okay, so Mr. Mr. Jenkins was um, in the break room of uh, Frontier Airlines and um, contracting company WFS. Um, and uh, he was uh, resting. He was on his break. He was on his break, right. resting. Mm -hmm. And um, one of an, an employee came in, and you know, it, we agitate each other. You know what I mean? Um, but it's an intense job. It's an intense job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He turns on the light. The one, the Mr. Jenkins is resting. An employee enters into the break room, turns on the light. He gets up. Aaron gets up and says, "You know, can you turn off the light now?" Um, the employee decided not to, so Aaron gets up, turns off the light, goes back, and turns, you know, it's over a light switch, to be honest with you. Well, they started to fight um, over this this um, discrepancy. And um, Aaron had the advantage in the fight, and um, another employee entered into the room, saw the fight, and jumped on Aaron's back. Bear, bear hugged him. Aaron released him by, you know, extending his arm and threw the employee across the room. Aaron is a big guy, and um, and the the, uh, the employee that he that he threw across the room, he gets up and he charges after Aaron and reaches in his pocket and pulls out a knife and stabs stab Aaron in his upper thigh, and. Um, the pressure uh, was not, um, uh, you know, applied, and he lost significant amount of blood. And there was. Uh, so a was this delay. guy arrested for manslaughter? Is he in jail? Yes, he is. How could that have been avoided? I don't know if it could have. How can it be avoided? Is because, again, the internal threat. Why did the employee have? There's. I, I, I really need to there, understand. There's, you know, it's not like we're behind a security checkpoint and everybody is like shaking hands and getting along. You know what I mean? There, there's, you know, there are altercations that goes on, but in this case, this was an actual murder. What happened is that in the case of the gentleman, the employee, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name right now. Um, how, by him having a knife, a knife that's interesting. That, right. that he utilized his right. side of that. He was able to get that through security. He, he got it through the security, security. access Excess. point. Right. Yes. And so that's why we are deemed as the internal threat is because we are bringing weapons, Weapon. contrabands, and prohibited items through security access point. And it could have been a gun. It could. Listen, as the hiring manager, I had 120 odd some employees last year for two carriers as a general um, manager, and um, I was bringing um, several employees, excuse me, potential applicants through the security checkpoint, okay, for the hiring process. So I will give them their their, uh, their requirements: no liquids in gel, two photo identification. Um, and I'm bringing you through security. So that means that, you know, be on your P's and Q's because as an employee, we have privileges such as being escorts, E's, the letter E on your badge. That means that I can bring you um, into the airport 
for you know business. You, you know what I mean? And for avoiding meeting. the security line. Well, we will have to go through security, but you won't have to have a boarding pass. You no flights. I can bring you into the community but you, behind. But, you, but your point is well taken that this person had a, a weapon. How a weapon. is that possible, though? Because what happens is that employees they do have weapons. I was bringing as I was. I was bringing in a former employee um, and to interview this woman for the same position, you know, and that, but she's customer service and um, her, her bag alarm, I gave her the same requirements, her bag alarm. Um, the bag was positioned to the side for additional screening. Okay, I'm the GM, I'll wait for you outside, you know, outside the uh, perimeter. Yes. And I'm watching, but I'm on the phone because I'm, I'm in the hiring process. I have to get Spirit Airlines up and running. And um, it's taking some time. All of a sudden, I was approached. And, you know, I'm like, what's going on? By airlines, airport security. By TSA. Hey, right. Yes. Because the potential applicant, who was a former employee, disclosed that she has a stun gun in her bag. Now, she knows the problem. She knows the rules. Come on. We know. And so and so so what happened is that exactly. So here she actually revealed the information because the machine didn't pick up the stun gun. No. It only picked up the bottle perfume. So she revealed it thinking that that's what it was. So of course, you know, they're questioning me and I have I brought her through. So mm. And my name is what Dr. Stacy Tyler, Homeland Security, and I'm like, no, this is not. Well, what happened is that the employee, after um, everything went, you know, was finalized, um, they brought her back to me, and she said that her mother had given her the stun gun because she worked a late shift at the airport. So look how many times that that employee utilized her badge to bring that stun gun in order for her to be protected. You know, you know what it reminds me of, of the young man in his late 20s who took the airplane and just decided to go. That's in August. In August, just go and come up. Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm talking about, this is the internal threat. So uh, uh, even, what, with, what, even with this guy, <laughs> how do you just go and get on an airplane and you're not stopped and just take it and then he dies? Exactly. Kamikaze. How entitled do you think that you are? Because to be honest with you, those aircrafts out there, that's a pretty penny. Oh, you don't have to tell me. Boeing and Airbus, I mean, you know, in order for you just to, you know, um, you know, have an order of, of Airbuses or, or um, uh, Dash or regional um, Embraers, it's cost money. First and foremost, that aircraft was a revenue flight, a revenue plane. So for you to actually think that you can utilize your position, your position as a ramp employee, a ground service employee, to say that, oh, I, I know I can fly this plane because A, you are looking at videos, or two, that you, you know, what makes you think that you can do this? Pilots went to school military experience, flying hours, you know, they have to be certified and licensed. So for you to even think that you had the, 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 the wits to, to, to um, still 
an unattended plane that was scheduled for line maintenance and do the uh, uh, tug and tow bar, tow bar tug procedure by just hooking up the tow bar, attaching the, uh, the tug uh, to the plane and repositioning it 180 degrees and then gain access to the aircraft and no one sees you? Well, let me tell you something. There are a thousand and two eyes outside on that ramp. There's cameras, there's people, we're always around. So um, for him to act alone, you know. But you don't think he acted alone. I'm just gonna just throw my hands up on that one because here as, um, as a manager and, and, and mm -hmm. you know, operating um, um, with these planes for all my entire career, I know that whenever uh, a plane has to be um, uh, towed off the gate, um, repositioned, we have to have wing walkers. That means that we have to have employees on each wing in order for there will be no damage to um, the plane. Or if the plane is pushing back or coming into the gate, there are um, policies, there's some procedures that we have to follow to make sure that that plane is not damaged. So for him to reposition, do all of that by himself and no one say anything, mm. that is, that's where I, you know, as, as a true airline person, not just speculating, I literally worked and managed this, this process. You know, I would be remiss if I did not have um, Dr. Tyler share with us where we made the progress that should give us comfort in our travels, because I certainly don't want this to be a show where you decide you're not going to fly anymore. No, no, so, no, no, so, no. So, so I don't want to, no, to no. put that up This is the Armstrong Williams show. I guess, and I guess somebody uh, in the um, control room is going to give me a time code, because I just think I've been talking forever. I'm sure they'll tell me where I am in the time. But what gives you comfort in the progress that we've made? What gives me comfort is that this information that I'm sharing with you is information or is an area that is uncharted. This is uncharted territory. You never heard of anything like this, have you? You know, let me just tell you this. I'm in, I'm in media and I travel. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, 33? Oh, wow. I know. Uh, <laughs> I travel. Uh -huh. And because I travel, uh, there are things you can just pick up on. You know, when people who have prosthetics in their legs. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like they can do a better job when people are going through their, and then some people don't even notify. They forget right. when they're flying. I mean, we, we talk more so about the internal issue. What I'd like to do in the few minutes that's left is talk about the progress we're making, but what is it we can do to make it better for the airlines as we go through these security points? Well, okay, so there's two parts to this. It's the internal part, and also the passenger part. See, legislation, um, everything has been deemed on the passenger. You know, different programs, the Linton lines, you know, um, uh, every policy, the uh, breast formula, the batteries, the 311 policy, the electronic policy, you know what I mean? There, I can name, continue to name the policies. And those policies are for the traveling public. Okay, so, and you guys are paying for the service of TSA. You, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Okay, um, so as far as the passengers are, you guys are abiding by um, 
the policies. You know, you have, you know. So the issue is not really the passenger. No, because, yeah. I mean, you. you know, because here. You just stated the issue. It's yes, internal. It's Look, internal. How can people find out more about you? Okay. Well, I have um, my social media. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, Dr. Stacey Tyler. I am on Twitter. Uh, web, uh, web page? Web page is www.interactiveintelligencecorporation.com. Interactiveintelligencecorporation.com. Mm -hmm. um, what is it that you wanted to say, Dr. Tyler, that you have not said of all the things that we've discussed? Right. See, I'm not here to be the doom and gloom of the, uh, this process. Um, with all of my research on the miscommunication of TSA policies down to the frontline employees, preventing weapons, contrabands, and prohibited items through the security access points. I have developed 10 Homeland Security courses. I also uh, took two of those courses and made them online. My goal is to improve um, or to modify the existing, the existing um, programs that they already have as far as their training for the new hires whenever an employee gets hired. It really starts with the user group because there's only minimum training whenever you're hired to receive those cited badges. There is much more information that is really that's out there. I have been all over the country. I worked in a hub location. I worked in field locations. I have been, you know, like I said, with various carriers. And I could tell you there are only four requirements. That, that is given. You're taking two courses, airport security side of badge and drive. That's it. So there's minimum information that's given to the airline and airport and TSA employees at the time that they receive their badges. One. Two, my training, I will, my goal is to implement my training so it could be consistent throughout the whole entire aviation system on the internal threat. Then understand my research, I had to do a pilot program because there's no historical data at all for me to glean on. So this is all new. This information is all new, but it is really prevalent in the airline industry because you just hit on two incidences this year alone. Um, the, uh, the employee who just stole the plane, the murder of my employee, there was another murder in San Francisco, and there was a drug smuggling ring in Dallas, where there was a, uh, um, it was uh, um, a, a drug smuggling ring out of Dallas. It, it entered, it got out to uh, five different cities. We believe that there was 10 employees that were involved in oh, this drug smuggling goodness. ring, but the drugs were counterfeit. But they still reached their final destination, but they utilized their cider badges to get the packages on the aircraft. They were corrupt. That's this year. Yes. This, I'm not talking about 13, 14. 2018. I'm talking about two, uh, 2018. Right. So when do you stop the bleeding? So, and then also I have training for the recurrent employee group. That means that every, it all depends on what carrier you're with. Either it's yearly, quarterly, or monthly. That employees are supposed to be recurrent trained. Okay? So my goal is to implement my training into the the airport and the airlines to have consi consistency. So it's not the fact that it's not the fact that these policies that are out there, which I was just naming, they're out there. 
But the problem is, is that when the regulatory compliance department or corporate security or whomever that they have, whenever there's a policy change, because when there's a policy change from TSA, there are 20 units within the layer of security, starting with intelligence, ending with passenger, okay? So the passenger is the brunt of those policies are not uh, um, transferred down, the information's not transferred all the way down. The policy, excuse me, the passengers are the one who are impacted by this. You asked a question earlier about the, uh, the weapons as far as 9-11. Those box cutters, according to the 9-11 Commission report, the box cutter, the blade was uh, uh, anything that's uh, smaller than four inches. Those weapons would have been given back, those box cutters would have been given back to the terrorists if they would have been caught. But they actually never was caught. They actually went through. And it wasn't just one uh, uh, station. It was all of them. They would have been given back. They still would have been allowed to bring them on airplanes? Yes, because they're, yes, mm -hmm. according to 9-11 Commission Report. Mm -hmm. yes, Listen, sir. I cannot thank you enough <laughs> for joining us. Thank you. Very provocative, very profound, uh, game-changing conversation. Thank you, thank, thank you so you much for what you do. I'm Armstrong Williams. Have a good day. Thank you for having me.